So we've come to meditate together. And when we practice, we're building a refuge in our hearts. We're building the basis of a recollection, that of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. This refuge of the Triple Gem is the highest of all refuges we could hope for. And it's necessary as with our being born, we inevitably enter a world rife with danger, suffering, and pain in the heart. With such suffering inherent in existence, it's normal for the heart to become restless, normal for it to look for refuge in all sorts of places. For example, many might find uh, comforts in going to a fortune teller or looking for refuge in a fortune teller, an astrologer, or some other similar professional. These days, one who goes to see such a fortune teller might be told that they have to do various adjustments in their lives in order to be safe. For example, changing their phone number or something like this. Uh, others would suggest that they plant trees or do various other rituals to clear bad karma or obtain a desired future. And such superstition is everywhere. In the old days, monks used to travel uh, to the outskirts of the countryside and the country into areas that were largely still uh, undeveloped. And in these villages, the monks would meet various villagers who believed in and felt they had power over and relationships with various sorts of spirits, those who occupied the forest around them and also those spirits associated with those who had passed away. And such belief uh, about the ability to control and gain power and refuge from such spirits is very common in Thailand, especially in the north, the mountain regions and in Isan, although there is some as well in central Thailand and in the south. But no matter one's belief in such things, Spirits, astrologers, fortune tellers, and the like cannot provide a true refuge for the heart. They cannot end suffering. This is something that only the Triple Gem can do. So we practice the path of sila, samadhi, and panya, ethics, concentration, and wisdom to put down our restlessness and this 
practice brings us closer to a knowledge of Dhamma, we begin to see clearly the nature of our thinking, to understand it as wholesome or unwholesome. And as we do so, we gain faith and ability in bringing up the most wholesome of all recollections to our minds, that of the Buddha. One who thinks regularly of the Triple Gem and the Buddha has a treasure in their mind that they have access to. They will be happy when others may not be. And this is one reason why when we partake of communal chanting, we should not allow our chanting to grow quiet or silent, but rather chant loudly and with inspiration in a way that not only supports the groups, group enchanting, but raises the level of the citta, the mind upwards, so it does not become snagged on and stuck on various impressions in the mind. To chant normal daily devotions is a powerful practice, but one especially, especially powerful undertaking is to chant the Padimokha, the monastic rule, because it is a undertaking which requires great intention and focus and can usher into a powerful state of samadhi. However, it truly takes devotion. I, or Longpur, once sat through the first chant of the Padimokha of a 60-year-old monk, and it took a full hour and 45 minutes. Already, to take only 55 minutes is considered extremely long. An hour and 45 was nearly unheard of, and no one listening experienced any deep degree of samadhi or concentration. However, if additionally one may not only have not memorized the Padimokha well or practiced it well, but problems can arise when one enjoys the sound, the rhythm and the voice of another chanter of the Padimokha and tries to imitate them, not realizing that one's voice and rhythm just don't match up with this other chanter and that the attempt to imitate only uh, hurts the Padimokha. When Longpur went to chant his first Padimokha in front of Longpur Cha, he had to be truly careful to be on stage in front of Longpur Cha to be the center of attention such as one must be if one is chanting the Padimokha was one of the most pressurized situations one could think of. If Longpur Cha was disappointed, then Ajahnanan didn't know what he would do, where he would go. But he entered with a pure intention and from the moment he chanted some of the first words, Yopana Bhikkhu, 
his body grew light and his mind did as well. He was able to continue chanting in a state of calm, which lasted for the full 45 minutes of the chant. And upon finishing, Long Por Cha gave him some inspiration and accolades, saying that he chanted well. And this is a great kindness of Long Por Cha. If one chants the Paddy Mocha, then if one has a degree of intention and focus, one can enter brief states of samadhi or calm, which we term kanika samadhi or momentary concentration, accompanied by rapture and pleasure. If one has even more focus, then chanting the Padimokha can bring one to a state of upachara samadhi, neighborhood concentration, in which the mind is truly quiet. Effectively, this chanting of the Padimokha is buddhanusati, dhammanusati, and sanghanusati, recollection of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. So we should protect this practice of chanting. It's extremely helpful to us. We, when we are with the group, we do not just simply listen, we chant as well. We don't just meditate. If we have grown accustomed to just thinking we want to meditate and walk meditation, but don't actually partake of chanting, then we're missing something in the practice. One who goes on retreat still should attempt to keep their chanting in the morning and evening steady. And if they can do this, then, then we consider them to be practicing well, to be able to practice. For they are re recollecting and bringing to mind and strengthening the highest of all refuges, the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Many people, as we've spoken of, have different refuges. Spirits in trees, uh, say there's large trees in a certain monastery, some might worship them. But we realize as practitioners that such things can only provide, cannot provide a true place of rest and safety. People look for such safety everywhere. A Western monk once talked about how in the West, people look for refuge in watching football and soccer and basketball, or in the figures and news from various stars and celebrities. And Thailand also is going this way, sliding into such things. And we have, it's true, to rely to some extent on external things. For example, the money that we gain in our daily life. But such things are not the true refuge, they are just external supports. However, people get lost. They take refuge in all these strange things because they're following what their parents 
teach them and set examples of. As a child, I was lucky, um, or Longpore was lucky, and he, when seeing a Buddha Rupa, became filled with faith and felt like it, it was his refuge. He felt immediately safe. On learning more, he understood that the Buddha was actually born in India and lived there, and that this statue was simply a representation. And on understanding even deeper, he realized that actually the Buddha is still here, not just in India. That if one is practicing keeping good ethics, giving, and listening to the Dhamma, then the Buddha is nearby, that this is practice. And this listening to the Dhamma, this is a powerful element of bhavana. Longpur Cha taught that whatever posture he was in, it was him giving a Dhamma talk. Even if he was not formally speaking, his walking, his sitting, lying down, his speaking, his laughing, everything he did was teaching Dhamma. And this is how we should recollect our time with Krupa Ajans, is that everything they do is a teaching. So we use this as inspiration and an example in our practice. When the mind goes out, when it gets caught in this or that, we bring it back. We recollect that death is for sure, it is certain. We recollect that we might live only till 50 or 60, if that long, that various problems and obstacles and dangers may arise. We might encounter a time of war, we might grow ill, and such recollections of the nearness of death helps us return and bring our mind back to center. If we don't contemplate, then the mind and heart goes out and becomes lost. But if we can contemplate like this regularly and cultivate wisdom, making today our last day, then we brighten and purify the mind every moment. This is what the Buddha exhorted his disciples to do in his Owadi Padimokkha, expounding the heart of the teaching. One should purify the mind. So today we all come here to practice Dhamma, September 13th, 2020. We recollect that time is passing and we cannot afford to be careless. We contemplate and ask ourselves how much longer we truly have, that we don't know how, when, or where we might pass, but that we will inevitably pass. And knowing this, we apply ourselves to the practice with all of our hearts. So I hope all those present give themselves to this path.